Ooh, there's a consent. Does it give you a consent thing? Uh, it does. I forgot about that. And it's mm. so obnoxious. I hate that. Oh, I hate the voice, but the it literally popped up on my screen yeah, and said, do you consent to being recorded? I've never seen that before. It's it's new-ish. Yeah. Um, I've okay. seen it the past month or so, but you have. I think you do have to consent. Did you? Yeah. I did. Okay, cool. I consented. <laughs> I'm so glad I can edit this. Yay. Yay. Everyone, this is Brian Widmer, and you're listening to Logic and Lore. I am joined by my friendly co-host, Michael Shear. What's up, Michael? Hey, bud. Things are good. Drinking my coffee. Just got uh, back from a nice workout, a very exhausting workout. And uh, let's do this, man. Sweet. How many how many steps are you already beating me by today? Um, so it's not. So I'm uh, 6,487. And that's like... That's light though, because that essentially is 35 minutes on the treadmill with like a 15 minute cool, or no, it was like a five minute cool down today. Wow. So yeah, the rest of the time was, was machines. <laughs> it's very exciting. Good. Good for you. You're, uh-huh. Keep keep me inspired. I had a, a not so great steps week last week. It's not as bad as I thought it was in my head, but uh, yeah, but we need to get it's, it together. Yeah, man. And, you know, training, training your brain, like it's, it's so funny because I was a very, very, very sedentary person <laughs> for a long time, a long time. And uh, now if I, so I definitely get at least 6,000 steps in, you know, set the bar a little low, um, 6,000 steps in per day, right? Five days a week or no, six days a week. That's probably a jab at me, by the way, to anyone who's listening, because I've been trying to make 6,000 every day happen. No. Hey, man, it's (laughs) it. Okay. So my default, my watch was like, so do you want to start low? And I was like, yeah. And they're Mm -hmm. like, how about 9,000 steps? No. Like, (laughs) and then, you know, and then the watch messes with you a little bit because like there were a few days where I hit like 95, like 9,500. And then Mm -hmm. I hit like 1,100, 12, Mm -hmm. 13. Like if I had a bananas day where I was like, you know, running around with kids and then I did like grocery runs and that kind of stuff. 11,000, um, by the way. That's what you're at? No, you said 1,100, which is. Oh, 1,100. 9,500. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 11,000. And uh, and then your watch is like, hey, so uh, we're just going to set your default to 11 now since you're in that ballpark. And I'm like, no, that's OK. And then I like I dropped it down to six and the watch is like, are are, are you sure? Are you the same person? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. It, uh, but anyway, so yeah, the default is six because, and that's why I said, okay, so I said at least, and that was definitely not a jab at you. It was more, um, if I have an active day at school with checking in with kids, you know, kind of walking the hallways, taking kids on like walks to regain composure and that kind of stuff to like recenter themselves, uh, I end up leaving school at like just a hair under like 5,800 steps. Mm. And so then I started adding a couple of laps in during lunch to definitely meet that 6,000. And so my thought is if, if 6,000 6, should be my base. Yep. And totally. anything after that, I can feel good about myself. So well, it, it's funny because when we went on this road trip uh, recently, mm-hmm. yeah, 
I didn't have to do anything at all to get 6,000 steps other than simply exist that day mm-hmm. and um, working from home or, you know, driving rideshare, which I've been doing a little bit mm-hmm. uh, this summer because summer's a little light. Mm-hmm. It's like it's totally screwed up my schedule. I had the routine going and and uh, and then it's just it's like, wait, where, where is the time that I will do this? And, and then when it happens, will I have the energy or not? And not just like, well, we don't want to, but like literally physically have the energy. Cause I got up at 3am that day to do airport rides and then slept the stupid two hours in the afternoon. And my body is just like, why? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, we're going to correct that next week. Nice. In two days. It's happening. Yeah. So, man. All right. Well, not everybody knows um, about that. (laughs) Uh, So today's episode is part of this little hidden curriculum series that we wanted to talk about, which is sort of my, and by extension, our um, philosophy on working with students and helping them learn in ways, uh, the aspects of that, which aren't really the typical um, things that you'd get taught uh, when learning to be a teacher or when thing when people are talking about being a teacher. So today's um, is going to be called something like learning can be traumatic, um, but also can be healing too. So uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this today is because um, over the past few years, I've had some students, just a reminder to anyone listening, I work one-on-one with students most, if not all the time. Um, Michael, you see students more in the classroom or maybe small group, but Mm -hmm. mostly just in their sort of classroom habitat. And so for me, especially sort of being, taking the assignment to work one-on-one with a student over a long period of time, get to know them really well and get to know their response to learning really well and what they've been through too. I've had a handful of students who have had rough experiences at school um, Mm -hmm. tied to these weaknesses that they have that they're trying to sort of work with or overcome, you know, challenges with reading, dyslexia, comprehension, math, whatever. And Mm -hmm. um, I guess to just pan out really quick, like a lot of students that I see, they might have dyslexia or they might have issues with comprehension and just come to session and sit down with me. And like, you know, we've talked about rapport building before so in talking emotion uh learning is an emotional act in our last episode that's why i wanted to follow up with this one because we already talked about building rapport making students feel safe how important that is that they feel cared for and safe to make mistakes and so if you quote unquote do that right as an instructor it just works the students sort of blossom open they feel safe to be open and make mistakes and take chances and interact and try things and it just works it's fine and they might even enjoy working with you right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then there's this handful of kids or even adults i would say 
who just, I mean, to use the, the words that are common, they just get triggered, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they have this totally different response to uh, the same exact me and the same exact mm-hmm. programs, you know? So um, I got sort of curious because it's, it's difficult. It's sort of frustrating for both the, the learner and the instructor to be like, hey, we know each other and we're cool. And we even can laugh or play games together or shoot basketball. And then as soon as we sit down to start learning something and it starts to get a little hard, it's like a completely different kid. And Mm -hmm. so many times those kids get uh, reprimanded or punished for the responses that are coming out of them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When in reality, there's like some kind of a pain or fear or, you know, something in there. There's some kind of energy that gets let loose again and i just wanted to talk about um how i i really don't think in some of these cases the student can control it i wanted to talk about what might be going on there how it might be related to trauma and why we should be trauma aware Mm -hmm. um or at least a little bit informed you know not that so this is not a conversation from trauma experts unless you got a certification recently that I didn't know about. (laughs) I'm not a therapist or trauma expert. I'm not here to like resolve a student's trauma, but um, it looks totally different to approach quote unquote bad behavior through a lens of, is this actually more of a traumatic response to the learning environment? Yeah. I mean, one of the, one of the biggest things that, I noticed, and this is just been recently, I want to say in the last, like when I was finishing up my credential, and then when I had started the the master's program, which was kind of like a, you roll out of one and into another type of situation. Uh, I kn- there was a really great focus and unfortunately it was only like a week and it was one of those things that i'm like i would take an entire semester of this and it was uh bad behavior as communication right and that whole you know 90 percent of the time it's not you mm-hmm. um no let's say 70 percent of the time <laughs> it's not you right, right and it's what they're bringing to the table that day it's how the day started off it's um it's so many different things and there are times when you're like i don't know if you've been certified in trauma and i was like i've certainly given enough um there was you know (laughs) earlier on especially during my substitute teaching days like there's no formal training um the i think the extent of the formal training that you do is a video that talks about you uh like uh, I'm trying to think of the best possible way, but I'm just going to be super blunt about it. It's like a, it's like a 20 minute video series. That's like, Hey, don't rape kids. Also <laughs> uh, don't sexually harass your peers. Okay. Neat. Yeah. Like this you I, know, it's, yes, I know. You know the one I'm talking about. Yes. It's, it's the, the HR requirement that right. pretty much anyone ever has to do any anymore. And it's, mm-hmm. it's like, if you're the one that needs this video, then this video is not actually going to help you. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. 
and it's it's one of those like it's so and if you're like, the, if you're the one that's that uh, sorry to cut you off but if you're the one that doesn't need this video this video is also not going to help you because right. you don't need to see it it's like it's really commonplace how not to be a, a sleazebag awful person right and it's also it's it's this like generic garbage video that serves just about the same uh the same like level of need is that dumb video i don't know if you've ever been to driving school but like i got a speeding ticket and so i had to go to traffic school mm -hmm. and i made the dumb mistake of going to comedy traffic school mm -hmm. which um whoa is somebody who did open mics for a long time i was like oh you're the guy that couldn't even get an open mic slot so <laughs> this is what we're doing with life but they make you watch this like very no duh video that has like a guy like drinking a beer and then throwing the can out the window. Um, you know, obviously you, you should recycle it. Like it's not, <laughs> you know, it's not, that's just terrible money management. I mean, you already paid for it. So, um, but no, but realistically that CRV in California, <laughs> right? Yeah. That five, you know, five cents goes a long way. Um, so the, but in all honesty, like the those videos, I think you'd be so much better served. Like, yes, you should probably read a PDF about like, you know, by signing this, I agree to not X, Y, Z, right? To like not, uh, you know, engage or discuss. There's also like a mandated reporter sheet, which right. is kind of its own can of worms, um, that like a mandated report video and like i said each one or like webinar and each one is like and i kind of did air quotes on webinar you can't see it but um but there's this whole thing that's legally they need to cover their butt right um however all of this time would be so much better served being folded into a proper training about dealing with you know, or having an informed sense with students that are coming from traumatic backgrounds or, yeah. um, you know, the, the negative behavior as communication or, you know, so many of these other things that you have to learn by doing in trial by fire. And especially when you're a substitute and you have no idea, like there, I mean, I, I think I've probably said this before in one of the podcasts, definitely in one of our podcasts, um, there were classrooms that I was in where the kids would tell me with glee that they made the last sub cry mm. and, or like she couldn't handle us and freaked out and locked herself in the closet or, you know, something like that. And it's these, you know, 20 year old, and I'm not, you know, uh, not gendering intentionally, but like a lot of times these young women, that are like, you know, 21, 22, um, have just gotten out of college and they want to kind of get their feet wet in the teaching world. And so they end up subbing. And when you sub more often than not, it tends to be in special ed classrooms because mm -hmm. those teachers tend to get a little burnt out faster. And that's just kind of a fact. Um, unfortunately there's not a whole lot of training that comes along with how to reach and how to identify and work with these kids that have this extra you know not not baggage but they bring an extra emotional component to the table yeah and 
if you aren't prepared for that, if you can't, you know, if, if you can't do what you tell the kids to do, which is take a break when you feel overwhelmed, um, you know, sometimes you got to let it breathe and walk away from it and come back and try a different approach. Like, that sort of thing. It's, I think that teachers are very good at prescribing things and often the very last to take their own advice. You know, I feel like I should just pause to let that marinate for a second. Mm. But, uh, so, so I think what would be helpful, um, also as a good reminder for me, just to kind of recap this because um, I will be having a student soon who comes from a traumatic has had adverse childhood experiences I think they call mm. them ACEs mm -hmm. um, and so I've already met him I've already worked with him for a little bit but um, mm. it's good for me to revisit this and so what I want to do is just kind of uh, say loosely what I mean when I say trauma so that people listening mm -hmm. are like you know, what are they talking about? Are they saying that their kids were beaten at home or the, the teachers hit them or like, you know, what's, what is that? So um, there's a lot of different stuff out there as far as, you know, resources to look at what trauma is. Um, some of it's a little more woo woo than others. Some of it's a little more concrete. So I, again, I'm not an expert. This is just what I've seen. And from my understanding, what is my understanding was pretty legit or well-respected, but also what matches what I see in my students. So is what is useful for me, right? So even if it's not the perfect scientific explanation, it gives me a useful framework to put around the behavior that I'm seeing mm -hmm. or the response that I'm seeing so that I can appropriately respond to that response. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so trauma for the first thing is like, you've got sort of capital T trauma, which is like, yeah, you've witnessed a death or, yeah. you know, like an assault or you've been assaulted or, or whatever. And then there's sort of lower T trauma, which is sort of every day. And I, I sort of visualize it on a spectrum of like, there's not two categories. There's just certain things that happen to have severity. And yeah. um, uh, so it could be, you know, getting made fun of a lot in school could be traumatic in sort of a little T way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but what tends to be, what makes sense to me, um, I was, we talked about uh, Resma Menachem a while back. I was reading his book mm -hmm. um, and the way he put it was just really simple to understand. So again, he's not necessarily the be all end all in this stuff, but it's easy mm -hmm. for me to, to conceptualize, even if it's oversimplified, which is um, that trauma can occur uh, anytime something is perceived. And keyword here is perceived, not that it actually is objectively, but anytime someone perceives something mm -hmm. as too much, mm -hmm. too soon, mm -hmm. or too fast. That's pretty broad. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that could be anything, pretty much anything, right. depending on how you perceive it. So um, too much negative attention from a teacher, mm -hmm. um, 
you know, too much feeling or of failure too fast, mm-hmm. um, wh- whatever it, it could be. Right. And so, um, I feel like there was one other thing I wanted to say about that before I give examples. Um, it's kind of like our survival system, uh, trying to keep us safe. The, the sort of behavior that you see, um, when someone is dealing with something that feels traumatic, Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I wanted to talk about the window of tolerance. So window of tolerance is just, um, how much arousal you can take, um, before you, you quote unquote, can't handle it. Right. Um, So let's, let's like reframe the term arousal. Um, (laughs) let's. No, seriously, because it's like that. That's a very clinical term, right? But to a layman, what do you, somebody might what do you be have like, for me? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm saying for you, right? Like, right. so what? Like, clarify that a little bit. So, okay, so arousal. Um, so when something scary or stressful or exciting or mm-hmm. um, anything that kind of uh, wakes you up and mm-hmm. might freak you out or mm-hmm. you know get you going it, that is something that that stimulus that incoming thing whatever it is that's that's um arousing your nervous system not not like, like you know arousal in the sort of like you know but just clinical it, sexual sense yeah, right exactly just just in general y- you have nervous system states that run from asleep to mm-hmm. you know i haven't had my coffee yet to I'm at a, a good place where I'm just calm and everything's good and and I'm in flow. And then you mm-hmm. have sort of above that, you've got, I'm kind of tense or a little anxious or a little stressed or a little excited. I'm, I'm amped up to do this podcast. I feel a little bit of a buzz, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond that, like, whoa, this is a bit much, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of approaching the end. It's sort of approaching your window of tolerance, meaning how much of that arousal can you tolerate? How much of that stress, of that fear, um, whatever it happens to be, can you tolerate before it feels like too much, too Mm -hmm. fast, Mm -hmm. right? So um, if you exceed that, that's when you see people start to act in a more animal way, like a more creaturely way. People Mm -hmm. start to, to shut down or they'll start to become feisty mm-hmm. or they'll start to um, want to quit mm-hmm. and exit the situation. Right. Well, guess what? Those are all survival responses. So, and primitive survival responses at that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> They're basic survival responses. So yeah. we don't, we, do, we can't, that part of our body, that part of our nervous system can't tell the difference from, I'm just uh, hyper aroused. I'm I'm overstimulated or I'm overwhelmed. Let's say let's mm-hmm. just say overwhelmed yeah. for hyper arousal. Mm-hmm. I'm overwhelmed because I have too much on my to do list at work and I mm-hmm. feel the pressure of a deadline, or I'm overwhelmed because I'm being attacked by a swarm of bees. Are <laughs> are according to our survival system, our nervous system, if I perceive both of those things as overwhelming in the same sort of way. They are both equal threats to my survival and I need to take equal measures to ensure my survival in the face of this overwhelming threat. 
Mm-hmm. So I just want to let that marinate too. Mm-hmm. There's no difference as far as our, our nervous system is concerned between things that are sort of legitimate survival threats and things that feel totally overwhelming in the same sort of way. It's either way we're being overwhelmed. Our system is being overwhelmed. It's too much, too fast, too soon. And then the survive the, we only have a handful of basic survival responses to cope with that. Unless we've really, you know, practiced staying cool in the face of pressure, like, I don't know, astronauts or Marines, you know, whatever. Right. So, um, so, and that's basic and that's pretty normal. That's just, that's how we are as humans. There's nothing like abnormal about that. That's not necessarily trauma. That's just how life is. And, um, so, you know, I said, when someone gets pushed to that point, you're going to see feistiness Mm -hmm. or you're going to see them want to exit the situation and give up. I don't want to do that. That's stupid. I quit. Mm -hmm. Who cares mm-hmm. about this assignment or this is, this is stupid and they start insulting or whatever. Okay. These sorts right. of behaviors we might see in the classroom or, or with a student. Mm-hmm. Well, what is that? That's fight flight. Mm-hmm. It's just and, fight flight response. Well, and the thing that's, that's incredible about that too is like, and I just made this connection in my head. Right. Um, so, uh, John Mulaney, the the comic, you know, he he had he had this this very small bit about like I can't drink anymore, and the reason I can't drink anymore is because I drank to excess for so long that I would just now you know nowadays I have a beer and a half and I would black out hmm. over and I'm I'm paraphrasing it best right, but it's because his brain and body had conditioned itself to say when we encounter this stimulus, like we got to shut it down like this, like shut, shut down logic, shut down all this stuff. We know that where this is going. Let's uh, let's try to save the body early guys. All right. So uh, beautiful. That's wonderful connection because that's the other um, aspect of uh, a survival response when a creature is completely threatened. So this kind of comes from the work of Peter Levine, uh, L-E-V-I-N-E. And he was an early sort of trauma therapy pioneer. Um, and it, I think like in the 60s or something like that. And he was trying some pretty out there kind of stuff to, to try to get at the root of trauma um, mm-hmm. in his in his patients. But um he was trying to figure out what is going on here. And he was looking at animals. How do animals deal with overwhelming threat and survival uh, without this extra layer of the human sort of psyche on top and, and our, um, and all of that, just simple animals that don't sit around and go, mm, I don't want to go out for berries today. You know, I want a vacation. <laughs> they don't overthink stuff. So he's like, well, what is it that, you know, prey animals can have these moments of extreme survival response, like literal life threat while they're being mm-hmm. chased by a predator or whatever the case may be, and then walk away from it and be fine. And so he was looking at nature to try to understand because our brains are basically just mammalian brains mm-hmm. with upgrades. So the, mm-hmm. the same early structures, uh, like you said, the really primitive survival structures are all still there. 
in the same way they work the same exact well they work pretty much the same way in in other mammals as they do in our minds so he's looking at deer for example or an antelope almost uh you know being chased by uh, a cheetah and if the cheetah gets close enough to get to it what happens to the the antelope is that it's no longer fleeing and fight's not an option so you take out the fight flight level response you get to a slightly deeper level which is the shutdown that you're talking about mm -hmm. the the deer will actually the the animal will actually go into a type of shock and just start to dissociate it seems mm -hmm. and just collapse it just that's it and i don't know if that's just you know you call it mother nature's way of being uh kind to the the animal that's about to be killed and you know sort of numb out the experience right at the end there when it's just it's over you know right you black out right <laughs> and right. um i don't know but but you see this and and also uh if a he saw it with birds birds will sort of go into this they almost a play dead like little birds and if you mess with them during that process, then you kind of interrupt what happens. But if you just wait after a little bit, they'll get up and they'll start to sort of shiver and all of this energy moves out of their system. The same <laughs> with, same with the deer that gets away. So if the deer all get away, they'll stand around and sort of shiver and twitch and look around and all this energy is moving out of their body. They're, right. they're sort of um, burning off the extra energy from that, that response. Right. So literally shaking it off literally like, shaking it off like literally shaking it more off. literally than t-swift and right um and then <laughs> and then uh <laughs> then they're fine so he's like okay well how is it that they can do this they can go through these experiences and move the energy through their system without it kind of getting stuck in this repeating mm -hmm. cycle where oh now i'm presented with a similar situation and boom that fight or flight comes right back even though it's not necessary or boom that mm -hmm. shutdown that dissociation comes right back even when it's not necessary so mm -hmm. um that's a little bit deeper than i thought i was going to go with it but the point of that is when i see a student who suddenly has eyes glazed over mm -hmm. and is gone right it's not necessarily an attention thing. Mm -hmm. It can be because this is bringing back this sort of energetic uh, impulse in the system mm -hmm. to get the heck out of here. This was mm -hmm. scary to me before. This was bad to me before. Um, mm -hmm. Or same with the student that wants to fight you and, and run away from right. whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, I want to give a couple student examples. <clears throat> well, if, hold on. Pause, yeah, so go ahead. If that's all right. Um, so I wonder if, so I've seen those and I don't have that, that literature background that you were talking about. And I haven't, I haven't read those studies that you were referring to, but one of the, the biggest things that I've been actively doing this past year that I wasn't doing before that is both myself as a teacher but also like trying to to get my students to do that is to 
like you said, the eyes glaze over. Mm-hmm. And my my immediate thought is I want to cut through that fog and just, you know, ask a simple question and say, like, I have a student that I've literally had that exact same thing happen to. And I said, what are you thinking right now, right mm-hmm. this second? Like, where are you at? How are you feeling? Yeah. And it's that, like, reset button or clarity bell where you're not doing the, you know, I feel like Charlie Brown was kind of ahead of the ahead of the curve on that with the teachers going wah 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 right. wah, 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 wah wah when the kids tune out. But but very realistically, like the idea of having them assess where they are in that moment and trying to teach that innate, like the hidden curriculum, that innate self evaluation skill, where you ask where they are and why they're feeling that way and getting to the bottom of it instead of saying something like are you paying attention where totally. where are, are you here right now like that sort of thing it's totally. the the examination and more than that when i've had kids having these moments like like the public speaking thing like everybody thinks that they're alone in feeling off or feeling anxious or getting that like sped up heartbeat, sweaty hands, you know, mom spaghetti, um, the, the whole, like the whole anxiety that comes with public speaking or the anxiety that comes with like having to lead something. And I've really been encouraging them to lean into that discomfort mm. instead of saying, cause I feel like when I was growing up and you probably had the same moment um or the same thing where they were like you know just imagine everybody in the audience naked um (laughs) imagine you know there's all that stuff and that's a cloak that's adding another layer to that primitive response that's Mm -hmm. that's that's encouraging disassociation right um in a different way whereas if you encourage somebody to say hey you're gonna feel this and it's gonna like maybe you don't maybe you're one of those people that you just fly into that mode you default into it and everything is great in the world um but a lot of you are going to have this discomfort so when your when your heart starts to speed up when your palms get sweaty um ask yourself why you're feeling that way Mm. you're worried about speaking in public well what are you worried about doing i'm worried about um, stuttering, or I'm worried about um, my SL words, or something like that. And just that introspection piece, um, the grounding, like, because essentially you're teaching them to ground. Yeah. Without going, okay, what are five blue things? What are four things <laughs> with a zipper? What are three yeah. things? Which, and I'm sorry, I, I said that like that was like, yeah, negative, and it's not, but I'm saying, having them kind of skip to the end of that grounding mm-hmm. and be like, I'm having this feeling I'm frustrated and anxious. Yeah. Why am I feeling frustrated and anxious? Um, and that's, that is things that nobody taught me totally. as a kid. Nobody taught me that like, I, I, dude, I used to cry every fight I was in because I would be so incredibly overstimulated. Exactly. That's, that's like the shaking deer right there. Right. Is we need to do that. We need to get the energy out of our system. It's so important. 
and uh, especially as young men, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's not encouraged to do what our bodies naturally want to do. Right. Uh, it's it's seen as weak or shameful or whatever, you know. Right. So, um, I think you're modeling something really incredible. Two things. One is you, there's an, there's another way to handle kids in a way that's not cut it out, right? Right. And, and just get with the program because I have something to teach, and and that's amazing. And then you're also modeling how to explore the edges of their window of tolerance, how to really go to the edge of that and say, okay, this is going to get me pretty close to where I'm starting to feel really wobbly, where I'm starting to feel really overwhelmed, but how to handle that in a way that's ordinary and not going to leave sort of a traumatic mark, right? How to navigate because that's going to happen to us. I mean, it's totally normal for us to sort of go into overwhelm and get outside the window of tolerance. That's life. We can't just live in a bubble and make sure that everything feels good all the time. So right. you're preparing them for that in a way that's real um, and in a way that's uh, really validating because you're holding space for them to, to walk through that process and not just ignore it or try to distract from it. But you're being like, no, this is real. And it's you're validating it. Um, and I would say that's that's really super important for keeping people, uh, young people, from being traumatized mm -hmm. by these experiences. Where it gets tricky is if they already are traumatized by those experiences. Right. Because then if you ask them, why are you feeling that way? There will not be a rational response because there isn't a rational reason. It's just this situation brought back the old charge emotional energy in my system that isn't necessary it isn't serving me anymore to to feel this level of charge and and so to lean in mm -hmm. um is you know 95 percent of kids that's mm -hmm that's the way to do it. You're leaning into that edge of your window of tolerance. So you're expanding it, you're, you're maturing it, right? You're, you're saying, okay, this might feel really close to overwhelming now. But if I can really hang with it and do it, it might not feel as bad the next time I can feel like I can handle it, right? Right. Um, and then you might have the 5% of kids who are are experiencing sort of a trauma trauma response, where it's right. the past returning and boom, their system goes into, ah, right? Like mm -hmm. overwhelm and they haven't even gotten there yet. Like they've, not, they've barely done anything, right? To ask them to lean into that may actually be, um, do more harm than good. So we have to be discerning um, and say, what is that actually, what is that response? Is it a normal sort of anxiety or is mm -hmm. this sort of a traumatic looking response? And then if it is the the way to ground them it's you're absolutely right we need to kind of ground them in the present mm -hmm. so that they're okay but the way to do that from what i've heard is sometimes different uh from just lean into that because that can actually just make it worse um it's for sure it's like uh one one person that i've heard describe it is like it's like a wallpaper it covers the room that you're in so it doesn't look like the room you're in anymore and it feels real. The, the threat feels real to that student, even though logically there's no threat and 
you know, they, you can, you can talk them through what they know is happening or what they think is happening forever. It's never going to get their system on an energetic physical level out of, Oh my God. Right. <laughs> so, um, so a couple of students that I, I've had, I, I guess I'll just talk about one. Uh, you know, I talked about another one before in the, in the last episode who ha literally had a teacher make him feel stupid in front of the class. And, and he felt like right. he was an idiot in math for, right. for years and had these sort of shut down responses. Um, we've, I've also had the, the fighters who mm -hmm. are wild kids. They're super ordinary until you get them into okay read these words they start to make a couple mistakes and then literally stuff starts flying across the room right it's like whoa right um and then i i have this one in, that i have in mind um he was first or second grade when i started working with him um definitely dyslexic um maybe dyscalculia too math issue uh, uh super bright creative um tons of energy and so it was wild to me when i would be working with him just trying to sound out words and things like this and it was like somebody flipped a switch where he went from this smiley wildly creative goofy fun person to a zombie mm. i mean really just holy cow are you there mm -hmm. right um and i would try to talk him through like look you're doing fine right like this isn't this it's just a word it's not that big of a deal and when i you know i'd see some kids get anxious about reading a word that seems tough or they know it's a vowel sound that they have trouble with or they just start to feel like they're not doing as well right and i'm uh, just talking through it like look dude it's just a word you are better than a word like this is not a big deal right, right. <laughs> it's just it's just little letters on a page and sounds are making with their face you know like it's and they kind of laugh about it and it's like okay it's fine but for him he was already gone um mm. peter levine talks about the sort of trauma responses as um, hyper arousal, mm -hmm. constriction, <clears throat> dissociation, which we talked about a bit with him, and then helplessness. Mm -hmm. Dissociation and helplessness are pretty easy to see. The I can't do it. Mm -hmm. It's too hard. I'm an idiot. That's mm -hmm. what the other math kid was was all about. Right. Um, but constriction, you can actually physically see in their bodies, in their body language. You can watch it change if you're observant enough, right? right. Um, and that's what I mean when I say constriction, I mean physically tensing up their jaw, their shoulders. Uh, you see it's almost like a protective or they're stuck in a flinch, like they're expecting a, a physical blow, right? right? Now, I don't think this kid has ever been hit like abused I, I said that to his parents i'm like i don't i'm not saying that i think there's anything going on in your home i think he's such a perfectionist and he's struggled so long with reading that he just feels stupid and he can't handle the feeling of feeling stupid it's way too much um for him to feel that kind of failure 
So you see this constriction. And then other times, instead of going zombie mode, you'd mm -hmm. see the hyperarousal. So his body was all over the place, squirming in the chair, falling out of the chair, going onto the floor, you know, grabbing stuff, like just out of control body, right? The right. body is where all of this stuff is happening. So you don't have to go mental and say, oh, well, just, you know, hey, it's okay, buddy. Like, we're just going to read 10 words and then da, da 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 That's your Charlie Brown moment. Want, want, right. want, don't care. It's all happening right. in the body. It's a just, it's your nervous system. It's energy, right? So in those moments, what I would ask him is, hey, how's your body feeling? Mm. Not mental. Let's not approach it mentally. What are you noticing in your body? How's your stomach right. feel? Is it hard for you to breathe? Do you, do you feel tense? You know? And yeah. so instead of um, hitting him on the mental level, again, I, I think that's great for people who are not in a traumatic response. Mm -hmm. um, for him, it was more like, hey, what would feel good to your body right now? Do you want to mm -hmm. run 10 laps around the table? The, the flight response. Right. Do you want to uh, go do karate moves for 30 seconds? The fight response. Mm -hmm. do you want to, <laughs> you know, do, do you want me to give you 10 minutes to close your eyes and, you know, or, or just look at, stare at that tree or not 10 minutes, you know, a minute. Right. Right. Um, but, but being, being in touch with like, Hey, what is happening in your actual body is good for me to know, like how much of this kid is actually available for learning right now. How much of his system is actually available for learning? Because if he's in a trauma response, the time is not to learn. The time is not to, okay, but we'll just do five more words. No, the time is to soothe the frightened creature. The time is to say, what does your body need to settle down? So sometimes it would just be, hey, you know what? I'm going to put on a song that you like, and we're just going to sit and relax. Mm -hmm. um, now, from the lens of bad behavior, that seems like rewarding bad behavior. That seems like rewarding avoidance. That seems like rewarding hyperactivity and squirming onto the ground. But from the trauma lens, if I know that this kid has had a really hard time and he's afraid mm -hmm. of this sort of stuff, then what I'm doing is actually putting his nervous system in a better place to be able to learn where 95% of the other students are already there when they show up and they stay there the whole session. They're right. already in the available space, right? right? He's outside the window of tolerance onto a rocket ship to the moon, <laughs> right? I need to get him back into, into Earth's gravity, right? where we're going to be like, cool, so now let's talk about what AW says, right? Like, <laughs> So speaking of landing, I'm going to see how that landed for you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i like it i i really like the how is your body feeling right now because i feel like i've asked that question in a different way when like you know i call i call it the snickers response right like, <laughs> well, like the, you kid, need to grab a snickers right for real like i'll <laughs> i'll have a kid that's being like really crappy to me and my initial response was always like, cut it out, stop. I need you to cut the attitude. It's time to learn, blah, 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 blah. And that, that was how I start, you know, when I was teaching in 2011, 
right, right. when I was substitute teaching in 2011. Um, <clears throat> it was always like a personal, like, why, why are you not here for me? You know, mm -hmm. um, and my it has evolved. By the way, same here, question. same, same here, completely. I'm not like, yes. <laughs> mm. But I'm saying like in this, you know, the, these, these, these podcasts, these conversations that we're having, they're examinations of like where we started and where we are, yeah. right. And what we kind of learned along the way. And I've started doing, and I call it the Snickers response. And I'm sure there's like, you know, every term that I have, that's like a generic, like silly thing. I feel like I can say it and everybody knows exactly what the hell I'm saying. Right. Mm. Um, and the Snickers response is like, hey, did you have breakfast? Or it used to be, hey, did you have breakfast? And then they'd be like, yeah. Um, and I started saying, hey, what did you have for breakfast this morning? And the kid's like, uh, 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 Starbucks and a candy bar. I'm <laughs> like, okay, dude, I don't know about you, but if that was me, I'd be crashing real hard right now. Um, can I get you like a granola bar and some water? Yep. And that sort of thing. Right. And <laughs> I've treating started... basically like an infant. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Do you need to poop? <laughs> Dude, I'm I, for real. Like I wish somebody would talk to me when I was, if I was having a meltdown, just somebody literally getting me to take my own mental temperature. Yeah. Right. Like, why are you behaving this way? Yeah. And and without making it be, a, without making it, having it be a, a condemnation too. Exactly. Right. You're not shaming um, them. You're right. saying, hey, why don't you check in for a second? For sure. And check in with yourself, right? Mm -hmm. In the same way that like, that you said like, what would feel good to your body right now? Yeah. Um, so I have, you know, I do the Snickers response. I do the, let's get up and move. Let's, um, you know, let's get that blood flowing like if I'm seeing a kid like zombieing out. Right. Um, but one of the biggest things that I, that I really wanted to, to kind of circle back to one of the early, God, I hate the fact that I'm using these terms um, to, to, to go back to one of the original things that you brought up is <clears throat> you all always must prepare yourself for a left field answer if you ask a kid, why do you think you're feeling this way? Mm -hmm. Or what about it is making you feel this way? Because I literally had students say some things that had me, I mean, just probably in my first year. Yeah, it was definitely my first year subbing. And I was at this very challenging school and this kid would always come in and have lunch with me. Right. And and I finally asked him by like the third week that I was subbing there, I was like, Hey man, don't you want to be outside with your friends? He's like, I don't really have any friends. Mm. I'm like, okay. Um, Cause this is kind of like, this is the time that, that we have to have lunch, right? This is how right. we recalibrate our brains. And it's not that I don't want you here, but I want to make sure that like you have a chance to recalibrate your brain. And the kids said, and I know that we're using professional language for the most part on this podcast. So I won't repeat exactly what he just said, or I'll use the thing. He goes, Oh no. He said, I find you really interesting and you seem to care about what I say. And you haven't tried to F me once. Whoa. And it was so off the cuff. Like, so like, 
I also like peanut butter and jelly and I like to play Xbox. Like yeah. it was so honest and pure and all of these things. And I, I, I was completely flabbergasted. And I had this moment of like, uh, is this a mandated re reporter? Uh, uh, and yeah. I ended up going to the admin and I'm like, hey, I'm just a sub. Meanwhile, I, I don't think, no, no, no. We didn't have any kind of training on mandated reporter things. So I can't imagine if he said this to other people before mm -hmm. and how they've responded is like, oh, all right. Well, oh, high five then, you know, mm -hmm. um, and so then I talked to the admin and the admin said like, yeah, he lives in a group home because he was in uh, the foster system and he was, you know, had events happen. They didn't go into detail, yeah. um, but they were like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much like, we're all aware. Like, that's great that he's opening up to you. And being able to hear that reason. And this is a kid that like literally, other kids would go up and put their arm on his shoulder like hey man let's do and i'd watch the kid like shock away like yeah. an electric response and like you said that feeds into the fight or flight response that overstimulation and just that thing could be an overstimulation and so um see the constriction plain and clear right and so one of the new things that i've started doing and it was only since last year um, or maybe a little bit before that, but I know that I started doing it in earnest last year, um, is when I start with a new group of kids that I've never met before. I'm like, Hey, you all don't know me. I don't know you. Um, can you tell me one thing that you would love all of your teachers to know about you that maybe they wouldn't know from the surface and what's one thing and, and you don't have to, you know, you can answer one and not the other. You can answer both. You can give me five things. Um, but maybe what's one thing that you want to just tell me that maybe you want me to know as somebody who's supporting you um, that maybe you don't want the other teachers to know or don't know how to tell the other teachers. Um, and I've heard everything from uh, I blow my nose a lot because I feel like my nose is full of boogers. Like, that's like I've had again. I'm like, uh, okay, and they're like, man, it feels good to get that off my chest. Too. They're like, now you won't be judging me, <laughs> right? And they live with that very real fear. And then I've had kids tell me, like, I just had a girl. I'm talking like three days ago um, in the program that I was working in, who was like, I overthink things a lot, and sometimes it feels like I'm not paying attention and I'm just thinking really hard, and on that thing. And, and it was in a group of like 16 kids. Mm. And I was like, wow, I was like, thank you so much for telling me that. Um, hey, does anybody else in here tend to overthink things a lot? Mm. Or what we call perseveration. And that's where, because, you know, a few kids raise their hand and I go, how about do any of you when you're getting ready to go to bed and your head hits the pillow and you're a about to just drift off and then 
what I call the brain weasel carnival kicks in. <laughs> and suddenly, remember in fourth grade when you riffed your shoes together and it sounded like you farted and everybody looked at you and said, oh, you farted. And then you said, no, it's my shoes. And then you tried to riff your shoes together and do it again, but you couldn't. And everybody just thought you were a fart guy for a long time. My brain does that. And the girl's like, oh my God. And now all the kids in the class are raising their arms, like raising yeah. their hands, you know? Yeah. And, but then I've also heard, I have a medical condition and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, I need to go to the bathroom like every 40 minutes in order to make sure that I stay clean during the day. And I'm like, yeah, it's super important to, it's, you know, what you're talking about is like a huge dose of reminding us that you don't know what's going on with them. Like mm -hmm. you do not know, you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, I don't know, just to me, that's, that's one of my takeaways from this conversation is like, yes, remember like to not to be on my toes, to be like, oh man, what could be going on? Um, but you know, it's, there's that, uh, sort of cheesy proverb thing that you see on Facebook or whatever, you know, sometimes you'll see it places and it's like, you know, be kind to everybody that you meet. We're all, everyone's fighting a difficult battle or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we all have stuff that we're going through that other people are not going to know about. So it's, it's kind of that level of like, come to instruction with a sense of care greater than what's obviously necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, just as insurance, like, <laughs> because you don't know. Um, and then having that discernment of like, what, what is really needed? And I, I, this makes me want to talk about in our next, uh, chat mm -hmm. to talk about, uh, learning as a physical act because mm -hmm. it so ties in, like, this is all the nervous system, the body, like, mm -hmm. in fact, I don't know how much we'll have left to say about it. So it might be a really short episode, which is fine. But, um, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, having the discernment of what is actually physically happening and why. So are they just, is it just that they had a crappy breakfast and they're cranky and it's sort of garden variety, um, you know, avoidance behaviors, or are we seeing the signs repeatedly of really sort of extreme response? Um, and I don't say extreme to, you know, I say extreme because it, it doesn't seem to match the situation, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to add up right. and it doesn't seem like quote unquote, this person ordinarily. Um, or, oh, sorry. That, uh, that could, that could be a, a trauma response to, to learning, to instruction. And, and that takes a, a completely different approach. Yeah. And the, the thing that in, in teaching them to understand that, that's also yeah. going to help later in communication mm. and like mitigate 
miscommunications in the future of yes. like, you know, not everybody like there, there, you, you said, you know, triggering terms and triggering words. Um, there are, there are kids that get triggered by the word stupid. Yeah. Right. Or, um, dude, one of, one of the things that I've stopped, I, I've pretty much banned it, um, from my entire lexicon as a teacher is the words shut up mm. because I've seen kids literally flinch mm -hmm. when I've said that. And even in jest, like, I, I don't think I've ever stood in front of a room, maybe like twice in my entire teaching career and been like, shut up, like Schwarzenegger. You know? <laughs> um, I've, but I've said things like, okay, shut up. We need to, and I'll watch kids. I've watched them flinch. Yes. And I feel like there's a lot of kids that have had trauma, be it emotional, physical, or whatever, and that that linked part of the Venn diagram is shut up or stop. Mm -hmm. uh, stop it is stop it. There's another Schwarzenegger, right? <laughs> the but there's a lot of especially with kids that live in uh, didactic, for lack of a better word, uh, these these households that are very. Uh, permissive like permissive based as you know may i leave the table uh oh i know, see may so i have a a, a little more that? authoritarian or right that was that was a word that i was i was trying yeah. <laughs> i was chipping away okay. at i'm like ah yes thank you uh those authoritarian households with kids that have some degree of trauma and it like i said it could be physical it could be mental it could be somebody being told that if they bring home anything less than a 4.0, then they are stupid mm. and parents that, or not even parents, you know, people in authority in their lives that are saying things like, well, can't you do better? What? Oh, you got an A minus. What, why didn't you get an A? And there's that response of that tone or that question and even asking questions in that severe cutting tone is enough to flip kids into that mode. Yeah. Yeah. And the just real quick. And the thing that I'm encouraging, and, and again, this, this only comes with like upper level students, I feel like is to them to follow that thread. Mm. Where does that come from? Why do you feel that way? Why? Um, I told a kid that I was proud of him and he started crying and I said, mm. where, where are the tears coming from? And it took a while for him to get it out. But he said, I'm always, I have always been told, why can't I do that better? Not I'm proud of you for trying it. Mm. So yeah, it's that pulling at that thread and that can lead to really uncomfortable things so wow. going back to what i said you know when you ask those questions be ready for anything and be ready if they're ready to examine where that comes from and why they're feeling that to allow them the space right to explore that 
And that's, that's the goal is like not to be a therapist because that's not right. our job, mm -hmm. but to, to give them a safe place. A lot of times that's all someone needs and they're going to do their own process organically. It just is fine. As long mm -hmm. as they have a, a lot of times people literally are just waiting for a safe place to be able to process right. like, and can't get it. Um, God, you said so many amazing things. And like my brain was like, Whoa! all different Sorry, directions. Man. It's so good. I'm just like, what do I even want to say? Okay, so being able to talk to somebody about it. Mm -hmm. So with this one student that I'm specifically bringing up today, um, I was I was very convinced that he was experiencing a traumatic response. Mm -hmm. So I decided I was going to err on the side of approaching it that way. And because I was convinced, I had worked with him for like two years, you know, like three times a week. So mm. I'd seen this kid for over a hundred hours, right? And um, I was like, okay, I'm convinced because what I'm, the way I am approaching it right now seems to be working. And it, everything matches what I've been saying in this conversation with you. So I yeah. would start to tell him like, hey, we're gonna do something here in a second that typically makes your body feel a little scared. Mm, I and like I want you to understand from here right now, I can see you're very chill. Like we're okay, right? You know that you're okay right now. So you might feel like you're not okay when we do this next thing. And if you do, I, you know, it's a chance for you to realize you actually are, <laughs> right? Mm, like just... right realize you're sitting in your chair you're here with me and it's all good but if it starts to feel like too much it's fine like if you start to get too freaked out like i don't want you to totally lose it we'll stop we'll do something else mm -hmm. all you have to do is mm -hmm. tell me so two things that i wanted to go on there one is actually talking to him about what's going on like it's okay your body just doesn't like this it, it freaks it out i know it's there's no reason but it just doesn't like it so you know, it's okay. Just get ready for that. And so to, to have that like stepping back so he can be like, oh, he's not caught up in it. He's just like, oh, this is what's happening. And I can notice it. Right. Um, and not have it boss me around as much. It, and it's, you know, you maybe get that for a minute and then it gets to be too much. Right. But the fact that he has a minute of like, oh, I am aware of what's happening and not just caught up in the storm of it. Um, and then the other thing is agency, giving him the agency. So many of these things come from a place of helplessness. They're helpless to, they're powerless to what's happening to them in the moments that, um, are, are stuck with them, right? In those moments that, uh, made them feel this way, mm -hmm. the, they were in a moment of powerlessness to whatever it was. They weren't powerful enough to to combat whatever had happened so words like shut up or stop cut off a person's agency they're sort of commands of powerlessness and to say no you don't get to do that and um to give him the the agency to say i'm not going to force this down your throat if it gets to be too much then we're going to switch. You just have to tell me. Right. 
um, all, all you have to, and make it really easy. Like all you have to do is say time to do sight words. Mm. That's it. And we'll do sight words to give that agency and that power back, I think is, is to me feels profound. I don't have anyone saying this is the way to do it. I don't have that advice from a therapist or from a research study or anything. Right. To me, that feels right. This is the hidden curriculum. This is like right. in my heart, that's what feels right for that kid. Because I know if I set him over the edge, then I'm going to lose 20 minutes of the session. Right. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. So there's that part of me that might feel pressured and did feel pressured in certain learning centers that I worked at to, you have to try to get this lesson plan done. You have to try to get through this many words. If he doesn't get the repetition, then he's not going to make the progress. So find a way to get him to read 40 words out of that workbook. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? M most of the time. Yeah. Most of right. the time. Yeah. But for this guy, no, what's most important right there is making him feel safe again. And if I do that, we might get another 10 words done and great. And maybe we don't, but I'm not getting anywhere by putting him into this place of everything's bad and everything feels wrong. Like we're not learning right. there and we're not learning there because what I do know is backed up in the science and the research is people who have adverse childhood experiences struggle with development. They struggle with their learning development. They fall behind in school. They do develop these, um, these issues like dyslexia or related things. That's a fact. It's absolutely right. cor correlated to adverse childhood experiences. So why do I, in the name of learning and in the name of getting the repetition in, think that it's wise to just push him back into that pool and be like, right. cool, but you got to get your 40 words done. So have fun in the deep end, buddy. Here we go again. Like, <laughs> no, it makes literally right. no sense. Anyway, oh, feel so strongly about it. Anyhow, you gave me so many, uh, so many feels. Awesome. It's, you're and you hit the nail on the head it's i think when you're in an area that demands results and demands quantifiable results you will always end up frustrated because if you force a kid into doing something that they hate the results that you get will not be necessarily able to be replicated unless you're always expecting crap and you, you, they aren't, you aren't getting an adequate, an accurate read for what they're capable of. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And on so. top of that, it's like, if the goal is okay, if the goal is I want to strengthen their word attack, right. Then great. But if the goal is like, I want them to be a healthy, happy human being, right and education and reading is a part of that right then everything else is a part of it too like <laughs> i might not be a therapist but i have to have the common sense to say there's a balance here between their word attack and their physical and emotional well-being also uh right. hello right this is not rocket science <laughs> um uh, so yeah i think uh it would be great if we could talk about the physical aspect of learning right um next time we chat that would be cool yeah 
be great. You know, great. the last last things as we sign off here, when you were telling me if if you're going to uh, make the kid do something they hate, you should expect right. results that that match that. It's right. kind of the way I feel when I go out to eat somewhere or like order, uh, you know, you get fast food or something and you can right. tell that the people that are making your food just completely hate everything about their life <laughs> right. and about being there. And right. basically you realize that you've just ordered like a hate sandwich. Yep. And there's something, there's something I really, I, I almost just want to be like, never mind, and just yeah. walk away. Like there's I I don't, I don't know. It's just like superstitious or something, but I just I feel like there's hate in the sandwich. It's just not good. Yeah. It's that and you should walk away like you should like any time. And that that's something that I, I think that like that shame and that what whatever it is that's kind of bred into us. I mean, I want to call it like Catholic guilt, but I think it transcends religion and all those things is like, no, you committed to it. So you're going to eat this thing you hate. And if it's to the point where you haven't paid for it yet, just be like, you know what? Sorry, my brain just kind of shifted because anything that you eat and anything that you take in after that point, you're going to be like, it, 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 as many people, God, I wish I could finish a thought as many people, like when you have somebody that loves cooking and is excited to make a meal for you and you sit down and you eat that meal, it is incredible. And you will almost never be able to replicate it because there's love and there is intention and there is all this woo-woo metaphysical stuff that goes into making that meal incredible for you. And if that's true, and I feel like we've all experienced that, you know, the secret ingredient is love. Um, <laughs> I, I'm telling you, like, I, I think had... it's smoked paprika, but maybe they're one in the same. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or like whole cumin seed, whole cumin no. seed. No, I'm serious. Smoked paprika is the secret ingredient. It's amazing. <laughs> is it? I don't. Do I, do I have you not used paprika? smoked paprika before? You need to get some. This is mandatory uh, this weekend. Okay. It's amazing. I got right. I got started with it. Um, Iron Hill Brewery out here. Mm -hmm. uh, they they have like sweet potato fries. You can get either like appetizer with your burgers, and they sure. have a bunch of different dips. And one of them is smoked paprika aioli, and it's freaking amazing and i started to make it yeah. at home um but but yes love well, and smoke paprika <laughs> all right i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to get smoked smoked paprika but going back to what i was saying if that is true and that love and intention and you can taste when somebody finds joy in making something for you then it has to it has to go the other way like Yep. miserable food has to taste like misery. I mean, hunters will tell you that when they miss a kill shot and animals adrenalize, like it flavors the meat, it, it yeah. sours the meat. Um, and that has to, that has to like follow suit with everything. If somebody's miserable and they're learning something from you, then there's a chance that they're going to equate that learning and that style and that content with misery. And that goes back to the very first thing that you brought up. And this is, you know, this brings the whole conversation full circle, right? Where if you have an internalized response to something and somebody just keeps reaffirming that internalized negative response, 
then you're never going to get anywhere or not that you're never going to get anywhere, but you aren't going to get those positive results that people are expecting. Yes. So that is the, that is the takeaway today. People no hate sandwiches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no hate sandwiches. <laughs> that's my Jackson voice. It the, is. Oh yeah. That's the Jackson. Like every time oh. we say something where, where I'll say, yeah, that was good. And CR will go. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Uh, tater that's my boy yes all right well it's been fun man yeah man always (laughs) and uh we'll see you guys next time all right